for the service remind of a story about a devastating looking man who knocked on the door of a woman in his neighborhood who was known for her charity. She gave a lot of money. Everybody knew that if you knocked on her door, she would help you out and do something for you. And this man came with a very frantic look on his face, very devastated, very frantic, knocked on her door, actually going like this, pounding on her door. The woman finally came to the door and opened the door and looked at the man and she said, sir, can I help you? And he said this, please, ma'am, can you help a poor, tragic family down the block from here? He said, the father just lost his job. The wife is too sick to work, and they're about to be turned out into the cold streets unless someone can pay their rent. And the woman, just her, her, just her countenance changed. She said, well, that's terrible. The man lost his job, and the man, man is out of work, and the wife is out of work, and she's sick, and they can't pay their rent. That's a terrible, terrible, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. By the way, who are you, sir? And he said, I'm their landlord. Now, I'm not here to tell you tonight that the landlord's knocking on the door, or the lender's knocking on the door, that we need to make our payments, but we do need some help to pay down our debt tonight. Amen? And we're praying that God will do that. One verse of Scripture. Do we have that ready to PowerPoint? One verse of Scripture. If you have your Bible, get it out. Hebrews 11.4. Hebrews 11.4. We have some notes. If you've got a note, note, a note there on the way in, but I want you to look at one verse with me tonight. Hebrews 11.4. Hebrews 11.4. We have some handouts on your table, so if you want to grab a handout on your table, you can take a few notes there if you want. Hebrews 11.4. If you have a translation device, you might want to wear that. It'll be read to you in your specific language. Hebrews 11.4. Would you read that with me together, please? Hebrews 11.4, all together in English. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Would you notice the first four words? By faith, Abel offered. Then you look at the six words. By faith, Abel offered unto God. And what we're going to do tonight is unto God. It's not for the church per se, but it's unto God. And I want to just speak to you tonight and encourage you about an Abel offering. Not A-B-L-E, but A-B-E-L, or giving like an Abel. And tonight I pray that it encourage us to grow in our Christian life and seeing what biblical giving should be and how it's prompted out of a heart of love and adoration to Jesus Christ. Father, bless the service now, we pray. We've been so encouraged by songs about faith, songs of the Lord tonight about God will provide, songs about the glorious love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for an incredible amount of work this week ironing of tablecloths, the preparation of tables and chairs. And, and Lord, even tonight, as the, as, as the men who took, put, put away the chairs this morning, we'll bring those back in here and set up the room, the dishes that have been washed, Lord, the cleaning that's been done, the children that are being taken care of in our nursery. Thank you, by the way, for our nursery workers who on their rotation lovingly take care of babies and little children so parents can enjoy the service. Thank you for our culinary team who once again have, have made a very delicious dinner and for all the many hands that went to help me prepare it and those who served. Thank you for the special music. Thank you, Lord, for every component of this. Thank you for our AV team and our media team and all that they're doing in this service. 
service being uh, uh, live streamed where around the world people are watching this service. And Father, in a special way, it's about us who are here, this congregation and the friends who've assembled here. Father, pour out your love even more so in these next few minutes. Lord, show us what you want us to do. Lord, help us to see the, the working of God according to Philippians 2.13, where it's God who works in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Father, tonight, help us to do that which, Lord, is unforgettable. Help us to do that which is by faith. Help us to do that which will glorify your name. For some, they'll be giving perhaps an offering much larger than they've ever anticipated before. Some, it's the very first time. Many are filled with fear and anticipation and anxiety. Others have done this before and yet are praying earnestly as they've given many times over. They're thinking, Lord, what would you want me to do tonight? And Lord, I pray that you'll help us because I, I realize that over the years now, we're a much older church. And I realize we have some folks who are in their working years that are now retired. And I realize, Lord, we have some who had little children then and took a little bit more faith, uh, steps of faith earlier. But now they have children going into college and they have college education to be concerned about and a myriad of other things. We have some, Lord, who just are out of work. And we have some, dear Lord, who are very limited. Their, their budgets are very, very uh, stretched to the limit. There's all kinds of needs here tonight. And Lord, we need a demonstration of your grace where the Bible says God is able to make all grace abound towards us. Lord, help us to do that, which when, when we're all said and done for, that will please and honor our Savior. Then tonight, there may be some here who are not certain about where they'll spend eternity. They're not sure they're going to heaven. And Lord, even perhaps a little bit more important than the offering tonight is that people who are not saved would get that certainty about where they'll spend eternity. Father, show your favor. Make your face to shine upon us tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for attending tonight's Giving by Faith Banquet and Special Offering. For those who are new to the church, Heritage Baptist Church started in January 21st, 1999, in downtown Oakland, the Asian, Oakland Asian Cultural Center. Just a handful of people, and we've watched as God has blessed us. This is our third location we've been at. We were there down at the Oakland location, I don't know, probably for 18 months, maybe a little bit less than 18 months. Uh, rent got prohibitively expensive. It went from 2000 a month, if you can imagine that, in two, the year 2000, to as much as 8000 a month for just one day a week, and we just knew that wasn't the place for us to be. And, and uh, a lady that was in our church at that time, a very loving lady who's one of our founding members, uh, who's now gone home to be, to be with the Lord in heaven, she told us about a church that was looking for someone to share. It was probably about a 4,000 square foot building, something to that nature there, but the building was in greatly, greatly need of help. And if I could use this illustration, we went from a, a class A building to a no class building, okay? And it was just, a, it needed a lot of help. It was just a, you know, if you, if you had a choice, you wouldn't have chosen this building as your first choice. It had terrible orange-looking carpet. It had, it had electrical work that just needed help. I mean, it just, the place it was a mess. But, you know, we took it, and God helped us to get in there, stay in there with rent at 2000 a month, and now enables to save some money. The church actually grew. It was not in the best of locations in terms of frontage and all of that, but God grew his church and built it up. And uh, from that, then the Lord opened the door for us to move to this location. We were actually told to leave the location in Oakland there, in East Oakland. They said, you've got six months to find something. Nothing opened up. We called hundreds of places, and then by this, the Lord worked it out six weeks before our, 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 our termination. Uh, the Lord led us to this location. It used to be a welding training school. 
what we're on right now. Some of you might remember this was an old field that was here, and uh, kids used to play there. There used to be some old playground equipment. It was dilapidated playground equipment, but the kids played on it. And uh, we had some picnic benches and an awning out here and an old fig tree that all of our folks that love figs used to look forward to all the figs going there and pulling them off. And it was just a very fun time, but the church was in need of just expanding and growing. And, and uh, so we got on this property. We didn't know really what to expect, and we were sharing space. And uh, six months after we moved in here, the church we were sharing space with, they said, they, uh, the, actually the master holder of the, of the deed of trust, they said, would you be interested in buying it? And being Baptist and without money, we said, of course we'd like to buy it, amen? And uh, the Lord made possible for us to acquire this property. It's just a long story I'm not going to go into tonight. And uh, since that time, we've been able to refinance at least maybe a couple times. And we started doing some strategic planning, realized we need to, to just start planning for the future, for growth. And the Lord was just working in hearts and bringing people here. And people were getting saved and getting their roots settled in the church. And, and so as we started looking, our main auditorium was getting really, really filled on Sunday mornings. And some has forgotten those days when we used to be in those services is where like a day like this would get very, very warm and, and we'd have the fans on. It just was, it was just, you know, you tolerate through it, but you're glad it was all over, but God blessed her in those days. And then wintertime was extremely, extremely cold in there because the heating didn't work very well. So just, we had this inconsistent hot and cold there, but God bless. And now we thank the Lord. We're in a room where we've got climate control in here with heating and AC. And this was our first project we were able to build out here. It's a, it's a 5,000, it's about a 9,000 square foot building, including about a thousand square feet on the top. Right now, well, we're in here. We've got translators in a couple rooms upstairs. Translating. We've got some storage up on the top. We have a wonderful commercial kitchen with commercial equipment that enables us to prepare meals like this. This room was designed for multi-usage. For We have sport events that will have. In fact, this summer, we'll have several sporting events and trying to reach young people. We have sit-down meals in here. In fact, I think it was two weeks ago, our ladies had their special ladies fellowship meeting in here. This building's just been a blessing. Amen? It's been a wonderful thing. Halfway through the construction, I told the church, I said, I told our deacons, I said, guys, I, I said, I had tell you this uh, halfway through this, but Lord impressed in my heart, before we finish this building, I think we're going to move the services over here. And so we better take a revisit the building, what we're going to do. And there's a lot of wiring that had to go in here. And I'm thankful for Brother Dave Lou and some of our media guys, our AV guys. But they, st they spent evenings here just helping to get this place wired up and putting soundboards around here. And they got everything in this building ready so that we could have it for services. And along the way, we've just tried to make accommodations with lighting and all of those kind of things. And we've held services here. But to tell you the truth, churches don't necessarily grow just because they have... They have a good meeting place for the total congregation. Churches grow spiritually and numerically when there's classroom settings that they can assemble in on a smaller level. Because sometimes you'll walk into a room like this, and if you're, if you're not very... You know, you're not very outgoing. You, you feel a little bit overwhelmed by seeing so many people. And so you wonder, how can I make friendships here? And so, you know, we, we decided that we had to have a second building. The second building is the Berean Center. By the way, if you haven't seen it, I'll have a couple of the deacons there in the hallway after the service tonight that can give you a quick tour of the building. And uh, please let us know so we can give you a quick tour of it to see it. But that building was designed for growth. And we have, it's primarily classrooms in there. And while we're here, we've got a, a wonderful state-of-the-art nursery and then a toddler room and a kindergarten room for kids where they can be during the services, and we have about 15 classrooms there that can accommodate different growth groups, and we're trying to get them filled up as quickly as we can and uh, as much as possible. But it just breaks down the church into a smaller level so you can come and have a cup of coffee in the morning and fellowship with someone or, or sell a pastry to eat and fellowship with people and get to make some friendships and get to know people a little bit better. And that's just a wonderful thing. This courtyard here was not really what I had intended to do, but the city told us we couldn't have a connecting buildings. I wanted more classroom space. They said you can't do it. So we, we said, okay, let's 
go ahead and do the courtyard. And little what we know, this courtyard would be a wonderful location for fellowship. I'm looking forward to the summer just having after evening services, just every time a fellowship out there and maybe an ice cream sundae or something like that we can have outside there. And, and uh, we're actually going to have one or two weddings this year to be out in the courtyard there. So it's been a wonderful thing for us. And we're just thankful that in spite of being landlocked where we're at, we just, God has blessed this property and used it for his glory. And we're just looking forward to the days to come, what God will do. But with everything, as a, as a church entity, we, we don't get government assistance. And we're not looking for government assistance. We, we believe that God's way, and this is the Bible way, which God pays, how things get paid for, is through the tithing and the offering of God's people. And uh, for many, many years there, our, 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 our church has embraced tithing as a biblical principle. The tithe is the first 10% of anything we make of our gross that goes back to God. And we're thankful that's how everything's sustained through that. But for special capital projects, for missions, things like that, we take extra offerings, which again, the church has given sacrificially and done very, very well. Now let me say this tonight as we take up the offering. You look what's here. This church is not made up of very, very wealthy people. We don't have Warren Buffett's and people like that in this church. We don't have anything near to that. I have friends that are business friends that I meet with one or two times a year for Bible college meetings. And these guys are very, very successful in what they do. And a couple of them think that we've got a church filled with all these professionals doing extremely well and CEOs and all that. And I said, guys, we don't have a church like that. Now we have a few people that God has blessed and done well with. But this is just a, a congregation of people that are just here tonight that just are trying to serve God and do the best. And, and I'm going to tell you what makes, makes me thankful is just is a church filled with people that love God. Amen. And that's a wonderful thing. And you, when you have a church filled with people that love God, that's all the difference there. And so that's what we're looking at tonight. This evening we are probably the ninth or tenth time we're assembling here as a church to participate in the Giving by Faith offering. Now I've had the privilege of preaching out a little bit. And uh, I've been asked by preacher friends around the country to preach for them for uh, giving opportunities. And all of them had told me the same thing. They said, Brother Fong, they said, this is either our first offering or this is like our second and third, and we really need help. And, you know, for churches, there's a lot of enthusiasm when you take your first offering. I mean, there's this excitement about a building going up and, uh, and, or something of that nature. And there's excitement. And normally on the first offering that's taken, there's a, there's a really large commitment that people give. But then when you come back and say, well, we've got to do it again, and you got to do it again, and we've got to do it again because we, we have shortfalls. It becomes a little bit old hat for some people if they don't look at it correctly. And I've watched a lot of churches we've helped along the years. I've tried to help through preaching. I've watched where I've maybe helped them do their first offering, and it was a good offering. But then the next four, four or five years, they're trying to raise money, maybe just to buy land or something. They just can't get the people to give. Now, I want to tell you something tonight. That's not what's happening here. God's been working through this church. And every, every offering, it just seems to be in an increased offering, a better offering. And I'm talking about people that are already tithing. I'm talking about people that are already participating in missions and other special projects. And people who just kind of wonder what's the next step, who have just stepped out and by faith have honored God. And tonight as we look at Hebrews 11.4, we see this man by the name of Abel. And what strikes out to me is it says in verse 4, Abel offered unto God. And we want to see some things about an Abel offering for just a few minutes tonight to encourage us, to teach us, to help us, and then to motivate us to do what God wants to do. Here's what I want you to see tonight. Number one, would you notice Abel's decision? Would you notice tonight with me Abel's decision? Look what it says again in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered. Now, there's two ways you're going to look at offering. By sight 
or by faith. Now circle the word faith either on your little piece of paper or in your Bible tonight because that's a critical component. We see a contrast in givers in verse 4. A contrast in givers. We see Abel and we see his older brother Kate. Now to learn more about them, you've got to read Genesis chapter 4 to understand that. I'm just going to give you a short summary of this. But we see two types of givers, Abel and Cain. Would you notice what it says here? It makes it very simple for us to understand. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, but here's what God is saying. He wasn't, God was not angry with Cain per se, but God was saying Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Now, Cain, if we look at Cain, Cain did not give the offering that God wanted him to give. Cain represents what I would call today a consumer giving. Now, we are, we are in a consumer society. We're consumer-oriented in how we buy, how we purchase, what we do. We think in the realm of being consumers. And as a consumer, Cain is a picture of a consumer. He's a picture of someone who lived his life with the intent to consume what he had. Cain was a farmer. He had, wonder, he had a wonderful agricultural business. He grew a lot of things. And the Bible says he brought of the fruit of the ground. It didn't tell us that he brought of the best of the fruit of the ground. He brought of the fruit of the ground. You say, what's wrong with him doing that? Nothing wrong with him doing that, but that was not an acceptable offering. Because when we read about his brother Abel, who was the younger brother, both Abel and Cain were taught by their father and mother, Adam and Eve, that they had to bring a blood sacrifice offering. It had to be an offering of the firstlings of the flock. That means a lamb of the first year, a lamb that was unblemished. It was not crippled. It was not defected. It was uh, defective in any way was not disabled. It was a healthy lamb. It was a good-looking lamb. They were to offer their best, and they had to sacrifice. That means they had to kill it and take the blood out. That was offered to God. And then they would burn it in a fire as a sacrifice to God. Cain did not want to give an offering like that. Cain thought, I'll bring maybe my corn. I'll bring my okra. I'll bring my bitter melon. Amen. You know, I'll bring things like that. I'll bring, I'll bring, the, I'll bring the produce I have. But he didn't bring his best. He brought some, but he didn't bring his best. And, uh, and God did not have respect into that. He represents a consumer because in his way of thinking, he thought, if I just tip God, if I give something to God, I can keep the rest for myself. Now, when you read the rest of the story in Genesis chapter 4, Cain bred a generation of people, descendants, who were just like him. They were consumers. They didn't think in the realm of how my giving is sending ahead for eternity. He was only thinking about what his giving would do for him on planet Earth. And so he was not, he was not thinking in terms of what he could do for God. He was thinking about what he could do for himself. And so he represents, if you would, an offering that was a minimum. Look at verse 4 again. By faith... Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Cain gave of the minimum. Now, let's go on the other, the other spectrum. We look at Cain, but look at me with Abel. Abel, the Bible says, he, he, the, he made a decision. He said, by faith. Now, your decision in giving begins with faith. Faith is a critical component to the Christian life. Listen, you, you start the Christian life by faith. You don't start the Christian life by baptism. You don't start the Christian life by church attendance. You start the Christian life by faith. The Bible says of the jailer when Paul preached him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for by grace are you saved through 
faith, okay? Faith is a critical component. That is your part in asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart to save you from your sins. By faith, you're saved. By faith, we, get, we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, okay? Now, we look at this man, Abel. His, 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 his decision was he came by faith. He came by faith. Why? Because faith honors God, and God honors faith. God is pleased by our faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. Who's him? God. So tonight, our decision is to come by faith. Now, what does it mean to give a faith offering, okay? Well, look at again at, at, this, at verse 4. Abel, well, you have to look at Abel's name. Abel's name means this. It means transitory or vanity. Transitory or vanity. Now, Abel had an interesting name. When Cain was born, his mother Eve thought he was the promised Messiah. The way she named him, she thought he was the promised Messiah. That's what it actually, the, the root of that means. She thought this was the Messiah. He wasn't the Messiah. The Messiah had to come through virgin birth, not through, not through an, an earthly birth. And so that she found out later on that he was not the Messiah. So later on when Abel was born, she came to the reality, you know what? My, my sons are born with the same nature as me. Uh, sin entered into the world and death by sin. We're, we just, we're not here very long. And so she named him Abel, which means basically transitory or vanity. And Abel had to go through life realizing that he wasn't going to live here very long, and he had to make the most of his life. Now, can I say this to you tonight? No matter what age you are, life is very short. Life is very short. You're not here very long. I can still remember a lot of things I did at, at 10, and 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. In fact, I told somebody this week, my, 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 my maternal mother had passed away when I was four years old. I still remember being at the funeral. All I remember is my dad holding me and going many times to the casket and touching my mom's face because he was so heartbroken. That's all I remember about that. I can remember it as a three-year-old. There used to have an old department store in downtown Oakland at 14th and I think, uh, uh, I forget what street, by Broadway there. It was called the Rhodes Department. Store. I remember my mom taking me there and these little and these little toy departments. I still remember that three and four three and four years of age doing that. I can remember things like that. But you know now I'm I'm, I'm many years beyond all that and, and I can still remember those things. But life goes by very quickly. I can remember my graduations. I can remember very, very distinctly the day Grace and I got married. I can remember when, when Carice was born and Tiffany was born and Justin was born. I can remember exactly how we held them when they were born. I remember all those things. I remember when little baby Eva, my granddaughter, was born just a, a year and a half ago. But I'll tell you, life goes by very very quickly. I think back to our opening day at Heritage Baptist Church 20 years ago, and, I, and it's still fresh in my mind, but life goes by very quickly. And we have to understand as we look at Abel's life, Abel lived day by day with the reality, my life is going by quickly. I've got to make the most of my life. And so instead of walking by sight, he made the decision to walk by faith. And that's what God wants you and I to do. He wants us to walk by faith. He wants us to live by faith. He wants us to pray in faith. And tonight, God is calling upon us to give in faith. Some Someone said this, do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. Amen? Do your living, giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. Now faith is this. Faith giving is, is biblical giving. And faith giving is doing our best. And faith giving is continuous. It's not a one-time event. It's over and over again. Faith giving is a commitment to God and trusting Him to take care of you. Now, here's what's going to happen. When we calculate, we're going to think, okay, I'll give this based upon what I know I'm capable of doing, and that's okay. But faith giving looks at that and says, well, you know, I'm capable of doing that, but I know I could do a little bit more, but I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to take care of these needs. And that's where God comes into play, where God provides. I want you to listen to what a great Bible teacher from years ago by the name of J. Vernon McGee said about something like that. He said this, and this is in your notes if you have your notes out. He said, I've heard people say that they will not sign any pledge, not even give to a certain amount of money because they might not be able to fulfill it. 
May I say to you, if you buy a house or anything which you need to make a payment, they are certainly going to make you sign on the dotted line. Now, you know what that's talking about. If you're buying something on installment plan, you're, you're, getting a, you're getting a loan on your house or you're financing a car. He's saying you have to sign a commitment that you're going to pay back those payments. And he said this, I don't know why people can sign up for everything else in life, but they're afraid to sign up with God. That's a great thought and great comparison. And he said, my friend, if you mean it, sign up with him. Oh, how many folks have failed him, for he is gracious. If we mean business with him, he means business with God. With God. Now, notice verse 4 again. By faith, Abel offered to God. Our first starting point tonight is Abel made a decision. We need to make a decision tonight. We're going to give. We're going to participate. We're going to live our life by faith. Amen? Abel made a decision. By faith, Abel offered to God. Number two, we see Abel's decision. Number two, very quickly, would you write this down? We see Abel's donation. I'm not going to hide and beat around the bush to you. The, the offering tonight is a donation. It's an offering. It's a financial gift. We've done that many times over. Abel made a donation. Now notice as we read the, this verse again. Would you follow me tonight? By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now that speaks volumes to us tonight. If that one phrase doesn't transform you tonight, you need to spend some time alone with God and let it transform you. There's some things that his teachings about his donation that are so important. Notice, first of all, the centrality of his donation. The centrality of his donation. Would you notice? By faith, Abel offered unto who? Abel offered unto who? I can't hear you. Abel offered unto who? God. Who's he offering going to? God. Now, every time he made this offering, he realized one thing in his heart. By faith, he was offering it to God. You're not giving to Alan Fong. You're not giving it to any, any entity here at Heritage Baptist. You're making your check and payable to Heritage Baptist. But you, we, you and I need to be gripped with this one thought. Our offering is going to God. It's for the glory of God. And you notice the centrality of the offering was to God. Now, he, was, he had his brother on the other end giving his offering, but his offering was just kind of like, I'll give God what I can. But here's Abel coming, I'm giving to God. And we must never, never lose sight of the fact in offerings to God. Now, offering is a choice. An offering is more than the tithe. Now, you're, you're obedient, you're an obedient Christian when you're tithing. Because God owns the first 10% of what we own. And so we, we're going to just talk about the offering tonight. But the tithe is automatic. God expects us to tithe. And not to tip, but to tithe. So an offering is over, over that. An offering is an acceptable presentation to God. When we give to God an offering, it should be with passion. When we give an offering to God, it should be with joy. And when we read Genesis chapter 4 about Abel, he offered unto God. And the Bible tells him more excellent sacrifice. He gave enthusiastically. So we see the centrality of this donation. But notice, secondly... Notice the substantialness of this donation. It was substantial. Look again at it. It says, Abel offered unto God, which you notice this phrase, a more excellent sacrifice. A more excellent sacrifice. Now that's the testimony God had to say about his offering. He offered unto God more. He was moved in his giving. I heard the story of a church. Took up a substantial offering. And two of the men... Walked out outside the church, and it's kind of crude, but you'll bear with me tonight. And two men stood outside the church, and they were in their underwear. And they looked at each other, and one said to the other, that was the most moving speech I ever heard to give to an offering. And I'm not saying to you tonight that you're going to give the clothes off your back. And I'm not saying to you you're going to give so that you're just down to, down to nothing. But the, the emphasis here that these men gave more. And the emphasis here about, a, about Abel is that he gave more. Now, what does more mean? More means beyond the norm. 
More means more than the minimum. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. And then it says it's more excellent. That means he gave more. It was greater in quantity and greater in quality than what, a, what Cain gave. It was greater in quantity and greater in quality. What he gave, he brought of the first things of his flock and the fat thereof. He gave his best and his all. Our gifts to God should be just like that. We should think about tonight. Is what I'm going to present more excellent? Is it more excellent than what I've done in the past? He gave a more excellent sacrifice. So we see it was substantial. We see that it was, we see that it was centralized in God. But notice it was sacrificial. Notice in that same phrase, it was a sacrifice. Now sacrifice implies something that costs us. The sacrifice implies something that has to be given up. And this man was a farmer. And you know, cattle and sheep are costly. I have a friend up in Canada. He is a pig farmer, if you can imagine that. And uh, he's got, I don't know, how, Grace, how many, how many heads of cattle, uh, of pigs this guy have? About 20,000 or something like that? He's like, this guy, I don't know, I can't even comprehend that. He, he has 20,000 hogs running around his farm, if you can imagine that there. And, uh, and he was describing his business to us, and I won't get into it tonight, but he's describing his business to us, and, and, and you know, the guy works really hard. He gets, starts his day at 4 o'clock in the morning, and, and I saw him just a couple weeks ago. We we're talking a little bit how he's doing, but God has blessed this man incredibly, but I I look at this, and you know, to them, the, mo the, the, the prize hogs for them are the female hogs because they're into this genetic thing because they breed them to, they want to breed as many as they can. They, 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 they operate this, and the, and the, the male pigs, they're, they're worthless to them. They basically, they call it waste product, and they basically sell it for, you know, for meat, for slaughterhouse, things like that. To them, the female hogs are very important. Well, for a farmer like, like, um, like Abel, when, you grow, when you're raising sheep like that, the lambs of the first year are very, very important, and they're very tender. And of course, as you know, if you eat lamb, if you like lamb and so forth, you, lamb is more preferable than sheep because sheep or mutton tends to be a little bit more smelly and a little bit more difficult to chew, but lamb is very tender. And so you notice here, he offered a more extra sacrifice. He gave something that was costly to God. You know, it, it may be a sacrifice for some of us tonight when we participate in this offering, but the Bible calls that a more excellent in sacrifice to God. And then notice something else here. Look at verse 4. The Bible tells us he offered a more extra sacrifice. Then you go down a little bit. Look at another phrase. It says, God testifying of his gifts. Notice it was the centrality of his donation. It was unto God. Notice the substantialness of his donation, a more excellent sacrifice. Notice it was sacrificial, the word sacrifice. But notice the word gifts. There were, there were several, and it was several in its, 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 its quantity. He gave over and over again. God wanted us to realize that Abel did not offer once. He didn't offer twice. He gave many times because he had to make this offering for the atonement for his sins. Now, I, I tell you tonight, sometimes you can look at it from the flesh and say, well, you know, it's kind of a, it's, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I need to give again. You know, our attitude should be thankful. Thank the Lord that God gives me the opportunity to give. Amen? We should thank the Lord we get the opportunity. But by the way, aren't you glad tonight that Jesus gave his life for you and me? He died on the cross for us and shed his blood. He gave us all. And so we see Abel here. He came and he gave several of his gifts. God testifying of his gifts. It was repeated and many. It is said of the church at, at, at Philippi, they gave once and again. And they communicated upon giving and receiving. And so tonight we see Abel's decision by faith. We see tonight Abel's donation by faith. Abel offering to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. But you notice something else important. Would you notice this tonight? We do see his, we see his donation. We see his decision. Would you notice thirdly? We see Abel's dignity. Now, I want you to notice tonight who paid attention to his offering. Notice who paid attention to his offering. This is important tonight. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God more excellent sacrifice. And notice the next phrase, by which he obtained, circle the word witness, 
that he was righteous. Now, the word witness means he had a good testimony. You know, church, it's a good testimony to pay off our bills. It's a good testimony to be on time with our bills. It's a good testimony to be out of debt. It's a good testimony that we can say these buildings are paid for. Can you hear an amen about that? Amen? amen. It's a good testimony. And it says here he obtained witness, okay? Now, it says something else here. As it gives the word witness, it's talking about a good report, a good testimony. Then it says something that stands out even more. Look at the next phrase. God testifying of his gifts. Now, God has something to say about our giving, believe it or not. Because we go back to Genesis chapter 4, and it says this about Abel's offering. The Lord had respect unto Abel's offering. Wow! God was watching. God was paying attention. God is watching our heart tonight. God is watching our motive in our giving. God is trying to, is knows, he knows whether you're real or not real. He knows whether you're going to make that more excellent sacrifice or you're going to be like, a, like kind of an, a cane. I'm just going to give the minimum. He knows. He knows tonight. And so the Bible says here, the Lord saw that. So I want you to see the dignity in Abel quickly tonight. Notice, in his dignity, he was significant. He obtained witness. Now, believe it or not, as we look at this, it says, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Now, you know what he's saying there? He was showing here, he was testifying to his brother Cain, who was not a believer. Cain, did, Cain never accepted the Lord as a Savior. Cain was the world's first apostate. He died and went to hell. He testified through his giving each and every time to his brother that this is the right thing to do. And brother and sister in Christ, I'm pre speak, preaching to our members tonight. Every time we take up an offering, it is a witness to people around us, people in our community and to our families about what Jesus Christ has done in our hearts. You know why? Because as an unsaved person, you have no motivation to give. But when you get saved and as you live for Christ, you want to give. You want to do more. Why? Because the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto to you. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so he had the significance. He testified to the world at large that, it, that he loved the Lord. And he testified to his brother and to his parents that Christ was in his life and it was real to him. It was significant. But notice something else. Not only was it significant, his dignity, he noticed something else in verse, this verse. It, it testifies the fact that he was saved. Notice, by, he obtained witness that he was righteous. Now righteous means this. It means we're just like God. Now here's the problem. In your strength, in my strength, we can't be like God. We can only attain righteousness by faith through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so by faith alone in Jesus Christ, God places us on a platform where we are called righteous. Righteousness which is by faith, not by, by, not by works. And so he testified... He, get, he gave witness that he was righteous. He testified. He gave witness that he was saved. He gave witness that he was significant. By the way, God wants you to get saved tonight. God wants you to make sure that tonight, more important than you, uh, the more important than you just participating in offering, more important tonight than that is that you realize tonight you need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and make sure that you're not going to that fiery, terrible place of judgment called hell. And so he gave testimony that he was significant. He gave testimony that he was saved. God was watching. But notice this. He gave testimony that he was satisfying to God. Look at it again. God testifying of his gifts. You know the most important thing about tonight when it's all said and done for? That God, can, that God looks down and speaks to your conscience mind you did the best you could that's the greatest thing that will come out of tonight's offering that God looked down and speaks to our conscience and to our soul that we gave a, a more excellent sacrifice so we gave like an able we did what God wants to and I don't know about you but I want to please God amen, amen. that's why it says two verses later by without faith it's impossible to please him 
For he that cometh to God, that's talking about praying, but also about our presentations. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. What does that mean? I believe that God is real. I believe that God will take care of me. I believe that God saves. I believe God wants us to have a part in what he can do with this property here. So that's a good thing there. And so he was satisfying to God. The Lord had respect to his offering. He was favorable to God in what he did. One last thing, we're done tonight. We see Abel's decision by faith. We see Abel's donation by faith. He offered unto God more excellent sacrifice. We see Abel's dignity. He obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts. Would you notice as we close tonight, the last part of that verse and we're done? Would you notice Abel's declaration? And by it, by what? By his offering. By it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Look up here for a minute. Everybody over 40 years of age. Everybody over 40 years. Look up here. If you're over 40 years of age, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, the generation coming up after us, they're going to look at this property and they're going to remember, hey, there were some people 20 years ago and 30 years ago and 40 years ago who gave so we could have these buildings. They made the sacrifice for these buildings. By it, he being dead, yet speaketh. You know what you're giving tonight? Testifies of your faith in God and your love for the Lord. You know what you're telling the next generation? You love the Lord. You're telling them God is faithful. You know what you're telling them? You believe in what God's doing here. You believe that tonight. But something else here. By it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Can I encourage you about this tonight, especially for many who are a little bit older tonight? We're going to have several ways we can participate in the offering. We're going to take a cash or check offering tonight. We're going to give you an opportunity to participate in a monthly pledge uh, in lieu of that or with that. But there's other ways you can participate too. For instance, for some, perhaps maybe your assets are restricted right now and, and things like that of that nature. But there's ways you can participate. Number one, you should, you should, be, a prudent, you should be prudent about your estate planning. You should go and see your lawyer about your wills and your trusts. And to pray over this before you make it, you know, don't make an impulsive decision, but pray over it. And, and think about, you know, as, as, you, as you continue, God continues to bless your life through this church and work in you as you grow in the Lord. Maybe even including uh, your, your, the church and your wills and trust. For some of you, like we've had several that have done this, you might consider uh, taking out a separate life insurance policy, making the church a primary beneficiary. Just a few months ago, someone went home to be with the Lord. We didn't realize this until afterwards. They had designated the church as a beneficiary and we received a, a small amount of proceeds. We're just thankful for that, but that's something God can impress in your heart. Uh, for some of you, perhaps God has blessed you in an unusual way and maybe your estate planning is going to go beyond the regular estate planning. You might do what we call a charitable estate planning and through that you might want to be making some designated gifts through that. And uh, maybe for some of us here in this room, you've had someone that you love very much that's gone home to be with the Lord. They've passed away and uh, maybe the Lord might impress on you to give a gift in memory of someone else and that's a good thing there too and we want to encourage you to do something like that that maybe you want to make a gift in memory of someone that has gone home to be with the Lord and and you just want to remember that as a legacy and that's a good thing there whatever it may be tonight you know we need to realize that tonight even when we're dead even when we're gone our gifts can keep on speaking our testimony to that can glorify and please the Lord I shared this last week and I'm going to share this as we close tonight It was a spring day, and there was a little boy that was out helping his grandfather fertilize the lawn. It was way big farm property, and they had just mowed it. They got on the tractor, and he got to sit with his grandpa on the tractor, and they mowed the lawn. 
And then they got, the, they got the fertilizer thing there, and they started fertilizing the lawn and so forth there. And the grandfather was just so pleased that his little grandson participated so willingly and broke a sweat here and there. And so he said they were all done. He said, grandson, let's go back to the porch, and we'll have some lemonade here and some cookies that grandma's made. And, and he said, did so. He said, son, put out your hand. And he put out one hand like this. He said, son, put both hands together. And the little boy put both hands out together, and the, and the grandfather put four quarters in his hands. Now, how many understand for a little boy, four quarters is a lot of money, you bet? He put four quarters in his hands. The little boy looked at it like this. And the grandfather looked up, and he's looking at the landscape of all the grass they had cut, and they had fertilized, and they had watered, and taken care of all that. And he says, hey, grandson, what do you think about that? And the grandson looked out where his grandfather was looking. He looked at the money, and he said, I think we should do it again, you bet? And I think tonight, as we think about that, we, we need to do it again. We need to do it again as we've done before. For some of us, it's a repeat, but I'm going to encourage you in just a few moments. I'm going to have Brother Irwin come up and give instructions on how we can give the cash or check offering or a pledge that you can participate for over 12 months and then renew it again or a combination of the two. But right at your table, you'll see a pledge card there. And the pledge card there gives you an indication of what you're going to do. We want you, everyone to fill one out as far as what you're going to do. And if you can't prepare your cash army in a moment, our, usher, our ushers are going to come and actually we have a box here. We want you to put it in. We're going to collect it in that box here. Take the notes out if you would. We'll collect that box in a minute. But we're going to do that tonight because we're going to just trust God to do something great and marvelous in all of our hearts. You see, tonight we can give an Abel offering. Abel made a decision by faith. Abel made a donation. Abel had dignity behind it because God testified of his gifts. And Abel went way beyond that because through what he did, by it he being dead, he speaketh. Tonight, I love you. God loves you. This is a wonderful opportunity. Whatever is given tonight in pledge, it's all for the glory of God. I'm not going to let numbers sway my joy. I'm going to tell you tonight, if all we got was one dollar, I'm going to give glory to God. Amen? And I hope it's more than one dollar, but we're going to give glory to God anyway. And we're going to just trust God tonight that he's going to do something great in all of our hearts as we share and participate. And then for those of you here tonight, perhaps you are not saved. Can I share something great about this evening? We want you to receive. And what we want you to receive tonight is God's free gift, eternal life, through Jesus Christ the Lord. Now, here's what we're going to do. Right now, I'm going to have a word of prayer. I'm going to lead us in prayer to prepare our hearts. And while we're doing that, I'm going to also give those of you tonight who are not certain about whether you're saved, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive God's gift of eternal life right where you're seated. I'm going to encourage you to trust Christ and be saved tonight. You say, why do I need to be saved? Because we all have sinned. We all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. God has to punish sin. But to the glory of God, he punished his son, Jesus Christ, who was sinless. Christ, the son of God, came. He took your place. He gave his life for your sins. He shed his blood for your sins. He died for you, but praise God, three days later, he rose again from the dead. And when he did so, he offers to every person the free gift, eternal life. All you have to do is do like Abel did, by faith, receive it. And I want to give you that opportunity tonight so you can leave this church with 100% assurance and knowing today became your second birthday and you got born again into God's family. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes.